You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We're very happy to have you here with us, and we're really looking forward to the discussion tonight. We have Taylor Chambers with us, and we will be discussing the topic of life beyond recovery. Taylor Chambers is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we are very lucky to have him with us tonight. Taylor, can you introduce yourself a little bit more to our listeners? Uh, Yeah. Well, like you said, I'm a therapist and I I try to spend more time being a husband and father than a therapist. I hang out with my wife and and daughters as much as I can, but a lot of my therapy work has been uh, centered on sexual addiction and mostly with youth, young adults and, you know, teens and things like that. And then at different times in my career, I've um, emphasized other things as well. Failure to launch, like guys trying to break into the workforce or further education and struggling to do that. But a lot of it is just centered on youth, their family relationships, and getting to the life that they want. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you with us. And especially to talk about this topic of beyond recovery. Like what is beyond recovery? Is there anything beyond recovery? I'm really excited about this because I think that there's a mindset that once you're in recovery, you have to stay in recovery forever. And I hope that we're going to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even that question, how did you word it? Like, is there something beyond recovery? Yeah. I think that's huge. So today, kind of what I had in mind is talking about the big picture and getting the big overview and hopefully looking at the end game doesn't distract us wherever we're at in the recovery process. We ought to focus there, but having the, the big picture in mind can really help with that. I was in a group therapy session and one of the guys mentioned He'd been doing group, but then he he started to supplement with 12-step groups. And he, he came to group and was just like, it was so discouraging, which is honestly not typical. Usually people are very inspired by 12-step meetings. But he said somebody was there and they've been sober forever, but they're still coming and they're still doing the, the basics of daily check-ins and phone calls and things like that. He was really discouraged because it was like, I don't like life right now as it is. I don't like being stuck compulsively viewing pornography, but I'm also not really interested in the life that that guy has. Is that the only version that's available to me? Sometimes that can be disheartening if we think this notion of once addicted, always addicted. And it's almost the setup that the rest of life is going to be a slog fest and we just have to like survive as best we can. I don't think that's the case. In my opinion on that, is rooted in the experiences of numerous clients that I've worked with at different stages of their recovery lives and really informed by neuroscience and the the way that the brain can reshape and change over time. I mean, there's something useful about the notion of once addicted, always addicted. I think that that has been valuable to some people in terms of getting them to take this work seriously. The change process demands a lot of us. And so this can inspire hard work and persistence. I think it encourages people to be wary and not naive that just because we experience some relief that we can, you know, lay the shovel down and stop digging. And the reality is that things like sexuality, shame, anger, 
relational conflict, those are just not going to go away. We'll bump into those throughout their, our lives. And so there is that notion that these are things to always be managed till the end of our lives. So all of that's true. And I want to honor and respect that. But I don't think we have to misunderstand the actual lived process, which is that we have different seasons and stages and our future doesn't have to look like what's happening right here, right now. I just want to, I want to clarify something right here. At yeah. what point would this be a valuable idea to entertain, right? Because I, I think that what you said is spot on that sometimes it's been once addicted, always addicted. Like it's important to realize how stuck you are, right? It's important to come to terms with that. And maybe that idea of surrender and this has to be my life. Mm-hmm. Is it different for everyone if we are going to look beyond that? And and I don't know if it's a one-size-fit-all thing. I'm just wondering if you found it helpful for most people to be like, this doesn't have to last forever. Right. Or right. maybe some people it is, you know what I'm asking? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So early stage recovery. And, and when I say recovery, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into traditional addiction framework. So addiction is the problem. Recovery is the process out. Okay. And early stage recovery work, that's where some of these ideas can be valuable. But I, I would argue that right off the bat, as soon as someone is starting to gain awareness of, I have this problem, I think it's incredibly helpful to know that this can be worked through and that this is a, a process, but it is not a life sentence. I think that is incredibly helpful. Now, there is a pitfall in this perspective of if we're looking at, hey, recovery is going to be a temporary thing in my life. The pitfall would be for us to act as if we have already, you know, achieved recovery, quote unquote, right? And that we don't do the hard work and and we don't take the stage that we are in currently seriously. There does need to be some radical acceptance. And it's very appropriate to kind of like go through some seasons where we wake up, you know, we do our dailies, we listen to the audio book on our way to work about addiction recovery. We do our workbooks at lunch, we go home, we check in with our accountability people. And then we go to our 12-step meetings, you know, one, once or twice a week or something like that. It can be actually very appropriate for this to be a very huge part of life. But I think that what's really valuable is that Knowing that there are different stages and different seasons, I think people are more willing to put in the hard work to get through early stage stuff that can be pretty grueling and tough if they know that I'm not going to have to maintain this forever, right? I can push for a season as long as I need that to be, but different stages are going to look differently. There's a bit of hope in that. And it's almost like I'm more willing to work super hard if I'm not trying to pace myself for the rest of my life, if that makes sense, right? Oh, that makes total sense to me. I just can still keep thinking about this idea of when I was learning how to ride a bike, right? I had training wheels. And if I still had to ride with training wheels, I would not like riding my bike, you know? It would probably never happen and I would not enjoy it. But thankfully right. I graduated from those training wheels and now mm-hmm. can mountain bike and road bike and I've even gone snow biking. And, and so it's opened up this world of possibilities, but I needed those training wheels for a time, right? Yeah. In order for me to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Not a perfect analogy, but that's kind of what I think of is like, because never do I have to go back to the training wheels, thankfully. Right. <laughs> but maybe there's another stage where life got really hard and you go back to some of those training wheels, you know? 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. But then you're like, oh, I got this again. You take the training was off and you're like, gung ho. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, that's exactly right. Knowing that what I'm dealing with, both the problems and the solution attempts that I'm currently dealing with right now are going to evolve and change as I evolve and change. And yeah, absolutely. There might be seasons where you go back to the basics. That's entirely appropriate. Or you set up a game plan to get through a particular, you know, a lot of guys, if they're traveling, going out of town or going through the holidays, this game plan where they go back to basics, even if they have um, some pretty well-established sobriety. Yeah, that can be incredibly useful. But again, it's not so much like I'm doing these things because I'm an addict and I will always be an addict. At a certain point, that label helps us to acknowledge I've got serious problems and I need to take them very, very seriously. I need to take responsibility for this. But at another point, that label starts to weigh us down and starts to feel like, well, I'm an addict, I'm stuck, right? And I actually want people to get to a point where they no longer see themselves as an addict and where they see themselves as human, as normal, right? And I, I always want them to take their work seriously too, like every step mm-hmm. of the way. Right? Yeah, but that mentality shift, I think, is very important. We need to take accountability for sure at the beginning if it's a serious issue, right? But then over time, we can't let that weigh us down. So I'm curious as to how you set this up with your clients or or your thoughts in general about what kind of vision do you create for them or, or help them see? Are you saying that, hey, at some point, you may not need to be doing X, Y, and Z. Let's strive for that. That's a very likely future. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I, I would word it that way to clients. So I I ran a recovery group just earlier today. And because I knew I'd be talking about this, I fielded this topic to them. And I think this question in particular is very, very helpful. Like we are pursuing freedom. And so I just asked the guys, what are you going to use that freedom for? What's the, what's, what's the real end game? It makes sense for us to frame the whole end game is healing, is getting better, is developing through this. That's appropriate. But but at a certain point, again, that shifts to actually the healing is my method for getting this other end goal that I really want in life. And so I'd invite you know listeners here, ask yourself that question. If you're on this you know recovery pathway, why? What is it all for? What are you hoping to arrive at? And then what are you going to do from there, right? What will you do when you have your freedom? And I think that just by asking that question for some individuals, they get it. They know what they really want, right? That Like, I'm going to move through this. I'm going to grow and develop so that I can then do X, Y, or Z. But one of the guys I was asking today is I have never thought about that. I was just, oh, that's so sad, right? So uh, sad, because then it's just like, all I've thought about is how stuck I, you're just like stuck and you're just, you know, got the blinders on and all you can see is right here. Right. And I think that would be so hard not to have that, but how motivating to be like, that's what I'm going for. Right, right. This is the life I'm, I want, I want a mountain bike that trail, right? Like, (laughs) so cool. Well, so we can set ourselves up to have an identity based on being in recovery. And that's a very honorable identity. I think it's awesome. Anybody who bothers to try and develop sexually, that's a pretty cool life path to be on. And so to identify in that way of 
I'm in recovery or I'm addicted or I'm in recovery has its place. And that can be an incredibly beautiful identity to have, like I'm fighting the good fight. But if that remains our stuck identity, if we're not willing to continue to evolve, then if we identify as a battler, then we will always need an enemy to battle. And sometimes, I mean, from a lot of different psychological perspectives, you know, we can subconsciously maintain our problems because they're familiar, because we know that there's something we gain a sense of worth out of, but at least I'm trying, I'm striving. And so, you know, (laughs) but it's like, what would Superman do if the world were at peace, right? Like Luther wasn't there. Yeah, totally. wouldn't be needed. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a huge identity adjustment for him. That would be incredibly disruptive and challenging. So in some ways, it feels good to kind of have the enemies to keep Mm. fighting. But, you know, is there a time where we're actually ready for peace and to to do something with our, our freedom. When you talk to people about life purpose, there are three main categories that if if somebody has a sense of their life purpose at all, they're generally gonna discuss their their purpose in one of three categories or some combination of these. It's personal growth, connection, and contribution. And as as soon as I I heard about the the discussion of, hey, this is what people talk about with life purpose, that nailed it, right? That's huge for a lot of people, growth and becoming a better version of ourselves. That's incredibly important. Connection, so many people, when you do ask that question of freedom, they talk about family, right? And that's a huge one for me to connect and spend time doing the things I enjoy with the people I love, right? My happiest times in life have been the times when I'm surrounded by a good group of friends, which for me, I've been half the time alone or in half the time part of a group. And so I've seen both sides of that. And that connection piece is huge. And then contribution to feel like we have something to offer, something valuable to share with the world, to make it a better place. Now, going back to, you know, the guy who's freaked out about like, do I have to be a 12 stepper for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. But let's not forget that for that person, that may represent dysfunction of them not letting go of an earlier stage of life and not evolving to the next thing. But it's entirely possible that that is their actualization, that that is their way of contributing, and that's where they gain their fulfillment. That could be a very beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I worked as a recreation therapist in substance abuse, addiction recovery. for quite a few years. And I saw this in substance abuse all the time where people would be like, oh my gosh, do I have to go to 12-step meetings or whatever meetings for the rest of my life, right? And some of the people literally come every week and they never miss their meeting and that like totally is there. But the people that I admired the most that would come every week to their meetings were the people that it, it was actually more of an act of contribution, right? Mm-hmm. That it what they weren't just stuck in this like routine like you're talking about. But like it had shifted to that. And that's what I would say to people when they would ask me, like, do I have to go to 12 steps for the rest of my life? I'd be like, maybe that will be your path of self-actualization. You nailed it. But maybe, maybe you'll find another way to contribute and to use your leisure time to give back because that's when you find fulfillment. That's when you're like, oh, yeah. Life is sweet again. Yeah. And oh man, I'm just so excited about all this because that's what I studied as a rec therapist is like, how can we help people use the time, the free time that they have and, and the freedom that they have, how can we help them find fulfillment and joy? Right. Yeah. Right. 
which I think we're all looking for. I liked your response too of like, maybe, but maybe not like it, it leaves those kinds of choices up to the individual. We talk about the recovery path and a lot of times from an addiction perspective, you know, we've got the stages or the steps outlined. And I haven't even been too specific. There are frameworks of different stages of development through the recovery process, but really it should be a personally driven thing rather than like, a, well, here are the steps that you need to go through because, you know, Taylor said so, or because Chriselle studied and that's how it works. You know what I mean? And so I, I really try to invite people to really take ownership. I mean, even when I work with established curriculum or frameworks, which I do from time to time, you know, depending on the context, I do want to move people through like, hey, let's start with workbook one, we'll get to workbook two and go from there. But the the bigger thing is, you know, really making sure that their healing choices are driven from that place of uh, a, a personal sense of like, this is where I need to go next. Right. All that we've been talking about feels very relatable to me because when I was addicted to pornography, I never actually went to 12-step recovery programs to get away from it or had a therapist, but somehow I was able to. That works for some people, for other people. They need all the other resources, right? But after I came back from my mission, I was like, okay, great. I'm, I'm not involved in pornography anymore, but... I feel like I still want to heal. And so I went to 12-step recovery programs just for a few weeks, just to feel it out and then to do the work. And after a few weeks, I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good with this, right? And then I found Reach 10 and I was like, boom, this is what I want to contribute to. This is where I feel like I'm giving growth and value. And I'm not addicted. I'm not compulsive. I don't even look at pornography anymore. So I don't really need to go to these, but that's totally up to the individual. Right. So I love that there's so many different avenues. And another question I want to ask you though, Taylor is what about, so someone really, really wants that freedom that you're talking about, that freedom where they come to a point where they don't have to do all these things in order to stay safe. What if after, I don't know, 10 years or so, they're still doing a lot of these things. What thoughts would you have for them, right? What are your thoughts on that? So are you saying like individuals that have struggled for an extended period already? Yeah, for forever. And they're like, I'm still not reaching this freedom that I I was expecting or hoping Right, right. So I would say, oh, that's a great question. I, I work with a lot of guys that are, are discouraged because they've like, have tried it all. It doesn't work. And so they've kind of resigned themselves to like, this is the pattern it's going to be. I, I just watch porn um, and it sucks. I don't like it. But I, I guess I would say there must be some new avenue. Like when people tell me that they've tried everything, usually what that, that means is that they've tried to beat themselves up nonstop since they started. <laughs> like that was their their one and only approach of like, just really try better. And if I fail, beat myself up. And there are so many other avenues or angles, right? A lot of different modes of therapy, a lot of non-therapy options, right? And, you know, religion, philosophy, or even just lifestyle things, right? Hmm. So just to reiterate, so maybe, maybe there really are some other things that they could try to find that freedom, right? Maybe there's some things that they haven't tried yet, but that's one avenue, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hang in there. And and what that might mean is like, 
I've tried going to therapist after therapist after therapist. It never seems to work. Well, it's like, okay, well, stop going to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't care. I like therapists, you know, I think we're okay. But again, like I'm okay with exploring wild options to do something that it feels like it's genuinely going to be taking you to the next level. So I would say always like, I'm just a fan of growth. And so I would always say, keep at it, keep at growth. In other words, though, like, what are you hoping to do? Are you wanting to contribute? Are you wanting to help other people in recovery, but think you can't because you're not sober yet? You know, it's quote unquote sober. It's like, well, why not start, right? At least start opening up the freedom that you're hoping for, fold it into your life. I know so many people who are like, I'm not worthy of dating because I'm struggling with pornography. It's like date anyway, like be transparent, like don't trick anybody. But, you know, if it develops to a point where they need to know that level of detail about your life, share that. They get to choose if they stay with you or not. But in the meantime, it's okay for you to be around human beings, right? Like go ahead and try to bring in some of the freedom that feels far away rather than waiting. Does that make sense? I love this. I think it's so beautiful. I think often as humans, and I think even in like Latter-day Saint culture, there's this paradigm of like the blessing doesn't come until after the tribulation is over forever. (laughs) Like the freedom, it's like some far off thing. And I'm like, no, like the joy is now. Like if we can't feel and find joy and peace and freedom and these things now, then how will we recognize them at some future date? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. this is such an important point. I haven't really quite thought about this much before until tonight, but it makes complete sense that if you're not stopping all the way in pornography in the way that you hope to, you can still grow in life. You can still progress. Like, reach out in other avenues of growth and just like (laughs) love yourself with what you've been able to accomplish in those areas. Just because you maybe aren't progressing quite yet in the way you want to with regard to stopping pornography, that doesn't mean you're a failure. That doesn't mean you're, you just got to throw your hands up in the air and say like, I quit everything in life. Like there's, there's no progression for me. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a great point that we have to remember. Like, yes, we want growth. And I think as a rule of thumb, your life is definitely better without pornography, right? Mm -hmm. That would be a great thing to learn to gain self-mastery over. And in the meantime, experience joy. In the meantime, practice freedom. Be happy. You know what I mean? There's a lot that does not have to wait until you've cleared out all of your problems. Yeah, I think sometimes we, we hold ourselves back. Totally. And that's what I think is so beautiful about what you're saying is like, you're a whole person as you are. And yes, there's things that you're working on, but like the richness of you is all of it, right? Is the whole, the whole experience. And if we can learn to love and grow the areas and recognize the different seasons, like that's so much more fulfilling, even through the different seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so Taylor, Maybe one of our last questions for you is, what do you think are some of the signs people can use to be able to find out once they feel like they can let go of some of the X, Y, and Z of recovery work and move into a season beyond recovery? Or does that just happen naturally? Are there signs that people can have in their lives that kind of indicate to them, I can let this go. I can move on to just other things right now. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you need some healthy self-confrontation here or like some self-honesty to, because again, the pitfall here, just to reiterate, is that we get so excited about, oh, I don't have to be addicted. Therefore, let me start acting that way now. But just remember, like act in the stage that you're currently at. And you have to be honest about, are you really ready to shed some of those ideas if they're valuable and serving you. But I think that you start to get a signal that you are ready to look beyond addiction, beyond recovery into, I'm a human, I want to live a rich, fulfilling life, and this is what I want to do with my you know, time on earth. Um, I think that if you find that you've accomplished some of the goals that you've intended to when you set forth on the recovery pathway. So like, for example, establishing sobriety, bringing harmony to the marriage or other things like that. If those things have been successful and you are enacting positive behaviors, but more from a place of this like routine or this is what I do, this is how it's done, just check the motivation and you might be ready for something new and different, right? That might be a sign of like, if it's stale, freshen it up, right? And if um, I'm asking those simple questions of like, does seeing myself this way still serve me, right? Again, you've got to be willing to have either answer because some people take this into a <laughs> slightly delusional place and other people will be you know, very accurate. Like, I'm sure yeah, it's right. tempting to say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I can let that go. And then are really not ready, right? But, but you've got to look at the data, right? Don't be tricked by feeling really great. Like there are stages where you're going to feel really, really great. Like after you just finish, you know, withdrawals from a classical addiction perspective, you'll finish withdrawals. There's kind of this like, hi, this confidence, right? But you might only be like two weeks free of the habit. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, you might need to look at the data of like, can I repeatedly and predictably usually win, Right. Am I, am I mostly sober or am I mostly in harmony? And there might be some flukes, you know, here or there uh, sometimes. But again, if the data supports what you're feeling internally and take time with this, this is not something that you should think about one day and be like, okay, great. You know what? Forget it. I'm not an addict. Yeah, that's not me anymore. But check it out with other people. Spend some time on it, you know. Uh, review how it fits in with your overall worldview. But if you feel like you've accomplished the goals that you set out to accomplish, it's time probably to look at what comes next. It might be other things of like, hey, could I could I write my novel this year? Is that available to me right now? You know, or like some of those pipe dreams, try and see how they fit now. I like that too, because you can like try it on, see if it fits. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not fitting yet, you like, again, put it back on the shelf and you're like working towards that. Right. Right. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Taylor, for your wisdom and your ideas. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners or break the silence? I think, yeah, just uh, try this perspective on, see how it fits. This was a very abstract discussion, which is kind of my stomping grounds of theory land, but obviously this is best applied to practical real life. And so I'll leave that challenge up to your listeners. How, how would you take these ideas and, you know, do you need to write a bullet point list? Do you need to like discuss this with your therapist and get some things checked out there? Or do you need to ask that dude out on a date next weekend? You know, like see if shifting or playing around with any of these ideas, confirm them, or cause you to want to shift something in your perspective and then see what it looks like in the practical level. But yeah, I would say keep the big picture in mind 
zero in, do the work that you're at currently, but yeah, see what freedom you can bring into it as well. Perfect. Thank you very much, Taylor, for all of your thoughts and thank you for being with us tonight. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.